The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. Yeah, when you get when you when you uh yeah, when you start putting in the the different drummers, it really, you know, especially the, you know, 10 yeah. just on its own listening to the album is kind of like, "Ah, oh, yeah, okay." And then when you finally get to see him live when Dave Abrazee's was playing with him and stuff and it's like oh adds a whole uh new level to it or how how do you say his last name um i think for the for the longest time like the first like 10 years i was a pearl jam fan i had no idea how to say it but mm-hmm. i say it how you just said it abrazees oh okay i think i used to say it like abrazees <laughs> and then just <laughs> day after that <laughs> wow Welcome to Season 1, Episode 16 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through the Pearl Jam catalog, hosted by Brandon Palomo. Each episode, my guests and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, and single to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Yes, this is Brandon, and today I am with Matt Massey. Hello. Hello. Okay, I was worried there. I just said your name wrong, even though we got it. Got it right. (laughs) Okay, uh, we're talking about the song State of Love and Trust on this episode from the singles soundtrack. So, uh, this song, um, Thoughts. Oh man, that's a horrible way to begin. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like like Larry King? Like react, react to me. Isn't that what Larry King used to do or does? Yeah, just okay. Go. <laughs> You're on the line. What do you say? Well, I mean, Matt in Detroit, go. <laughs> State of love and trust. Your thoughts. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Eddie Vedder, singer, voice of a generation. <laughs> Oh man, I can't do that. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Okay. Sorry, I'm dying. Okay, no more okay. voices. Uh anyway, this song starts off super awesome. You got guitars coming right in. Boom. It's got that little at the beginning, it's like the little needle drop of the record player. Oh, really? I don't know if people ever notice that, but on the singles version, it's like a really quick sound of like a needle dropping on a record player, then it starts out, which I've always loved. I don't think I've ever noticed. Unless I'm completely making that up in my mind, but I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that, that that's there. And did you hear it. from just now when I just did it or from... Uh, I didn't hear oh. it just now, but no, but just from years and years of listening to it yeah i was thinking it's like oh, it could have been a little technical thing that, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no 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 from 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 the good old cd i've worn mm-hmm. out so uh did you ever watch the uh you've seen the movie right uh the pj20 movie no the uh uh singles oh i'm sorry the, the, uh, yeah oh yeah for sure i love singles it's a great movie yeah, uh, I, th- I think it was like one of those things where it's kind of like, oh, it's it's the grunge movie. It's the Seattle movie. Oh, let's watch it. Oh, Pearl Jam on. Oh, then you see Eddie and Stone and uh, Jeff there in the diner and like, whoa. And uh, then they're what watching bees or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. Nature Channel and Eddie's 
shushing everybody because he's focused on the, <laughs> on the uh, show. Yeah, and Jeff with his uh, stiff lines, like something about uh, what was Matt Dillon's character? A compliment Cliff. for us oh, yeah. is a compliment for you. But there's one line where Jeff's like, "Hey, Cliff, while we're young, like talking about like moving oh, his yeah. man, like <laughs> such a it's, it's so stiff, it's hilarious." <laughs> What uh, what's what what uh, what grabs you about this song? Well, I mean, for starters, when I first got into Pearl Jam in the early '90s, you know, ten verses stuff on singles all right off the bat. I kind of was a bit a bit late to the party. I was you know fourteen, fifteen, so I was just getting into being a rock music fan. So eh, six months before verses came out is when I really started getting into Pearl Jam. So I was you know devouring everything that I, I could by them. And this has been my favorite song, Pearl Jam song since. Mm-hmm. So for however many, I don't know, you know since 90, 93-ish, so 25 years, this has been my uh, favorite Pearl Jam song. Just everything about it. It's like it's a quintessential early 90s Pearl Jam. And not, and not that, you know, I love all, all early 90s, 2000s up until now. But, you know, that was a song that just, grabbed hold of me that and breath tell you the truth immediately when i i got the single soundtrack and it always be the song because some a lot of my most of my friends that were just casual pearl jam fans back then they would have never they never heard state love and trust so that's like always the first song i'd go to to play for them and say look you gotta listen to this and they'd always be like oh dude song's awesome like oh yeah (laughs) yeah i think this this... oh sorry go ahead no go ahead i was gonna say that uh this song i think coming off of 10 it just has like a rock to it that i think you know uh dave abrazes adds to it um that just sort of like oh wow like this is like this is like rocking it's not as much of the sort of mid tempo ish almost kind of slower with a few little upticks here and there from 10 it's like oh yeah yeah is this the new direction is this how they're gonna sound on verses right or well you know the new album whatever whenever it comes out right right which ended up totally not being how they sounded at all but yeah i told it's it's it's, now that you look back on it it's almost like a bridge between 10 and verses yeah where they were getting more aggressive and then you know with verses they did something almost totally different where you know they yeah. got super aggressive with it so i don't know i mean mike mike solos in this in this uh eddie's you know eddie's vocals are awesome they might you know they're all awesome and everything they do but it's just you know mike's uh solos really stuck out to me mm-hmm. um the lyrics uh are pretty great and it just overall the song i totally agree with you as far as they kind of brought the rock a little bit more than you know, down 10 which you know especially you know in my teenage years was something that really spoke to me you know back then i i, I didn't have much time for the slow songs i wanted all the all the fast uh, upbeat rock songs yeah uh speaking of the lyrics what did you think the lyrics were when you uh when you first listened to it back in the day before we could look everything up online and find out as far as just like the meaning well not necessarily well yeah i guess the the meaning too but i mean like when i i remember when i you know state of love and trust okay yeah i got that part and then everything else is like uh then i listen yeah okay yeah yeah i got that part my head okay yeah oh man what the hell is he saying it was it was hard back then when without the internet and all that stuff like especially like 
this being on a soundtrack, not having not having the liner notes to kind of decipher. Mm-hmm. Even like on Ten's liner notes, half of it was like chicken scratch, so you had to figure out what was written on there, anyways. But yeah, I'm 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 there with you uh, with most of their songs back then. It's it's almost like you listen to it and you know a certain chunk of the of the words initially, and then as you listen to it, you know, a hundred times or whatever the case may be, you start picking up phrases here and there to where eventually after X amount of listens, you you finally have, you understand, you know, the entire song. So it, it take it definitely didn't take a while back then. Yeah. Um, do you, so you've, you, you've since looked up the, the official lyrics for him and stuff, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's not the easiest to decipher what he's, which usually that's a very ed like thing where you don't really it's hard to decipher exactly what he's referring to has your uh has your impression of the song changed from uh when you thought when you knew some of the lyrics and now that you you kind of have seen all the lyrics it's like oh wow huh. yes. has, has any of the meaning changed to you or it's all still the same as when you first heard it when you're so, younger it's a lot uh it's a lot fucking darker now <laughs> tell you that much but, you know i didn't really honestly when i was younger and i think a lot of people are like this it's you know you, you you hear phrases here and there in songs but for me i didn't put pieces together and really seek out the specific meaning of songs i you know i like the music and i like the tempo or the melody mm-hmm. or things like that and you know i like the words but you know i'm talking about my younger days but it was just like yeah it's a great song and then years later i'm like oh it's about that that's no that's that's dark i like it even more now you know that type of thing mm-hmm. uh yeah so i mean when I, when I first heard it it was just an awesome rocking song with a you know a cool cool words in the chorus and and that was about it but you know diving into it now when i'm you know an adult is you know there's again it's it's hard to pinpoint exactly what eddie was meaning when he wrote these lyrics but you know there's a lot of people out there that think it's you know strictly about suicide there's a lot of people think it's about you know anti-religion type in which there's both of those there's those themes are in in the song both of them are and then there's the you know i've read before where eddie watched the early screening of singles before before it was released and that's what he how he wrote the song just based on the movie so you know you put put it in that perspective it's you know about relationships and you know how you deal with the ups and downs and where's the part with the where's the part in the song about the monorail i don't get it what's uh what's going <laughs> yeah. on the super the super train <laughs> yeah where's he where's he say uh bless you i think he took those out and he put the trigger shake and <laughs> barrel uh, you know that that type of thing about shooting you know yeah. <laughs> shooting yourself i think he switched those out a little bit uh yeah i i, I the whole yeah there's all that religious imagery and or, or you know yeah yeah there's all that sort of stuff and i guess you could you you, you have your yeah. own interpretation who knows what he was thinking of when he saw that and whatever oh man i should totally cut that out it didn't make any sense oh yeah the solo you said let's take a listen to the now did you you've uh you've heard the uh greatest hits version of the song right yeah yeah did you get right away that the song was different in any way right right at the beginning the first woo that eddie does i could tell it was different because they added tons of Mm -hmm. echo and backing vocals through the whole thing so the first you know right before right when the song's kicking in is different than the original 
and I don't necessarily like it. Yeah, the the breakdown, a whole bunch of echo, and then when the solo sort of kicks in, there's a ton of just flange oh, yeah, yeah. out of nowhere. And at the end, when he when he says, "Won't you help me?" There's uh, a huge echo on that part too. Which, yeah. if this was the original version, I would be, you know, this would probably be my go-to version. I'd probably like it, but it just, I don't know. It's, it's very, it's very tenny to me, to like the album 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like that they went away from it with the original recording. Yeah. I, I tried to look up stuff about it. Like, it's like, why did they yeah, remix I, it? Like, what are they doing? I've never found like, anything. What's, What's the purpose of this? And why do it just for the uh, greatest hits release? Right. I've never found anything about why they changed it up. I know that there's a few in the greatest hits that Brendan O'Brien came in and, and remixed, like, I think, Alive and Once and I don't know what else. But So I get that. Like, he came in. That's their that's their guy. But, yeah, there's not really any explanation uh, why they did, did this with State. So... Yeah, I, th- I think I read somewhere that when they were recording it, that uh, Mike McCready, all he had was just his amp and a wah pedal. And he was just kind of like, uh, okay, I'll, I'll I'll do this and this is all I got. So I, I think maybe that sort of influenced a little bit. It's kind of like, ah, you know, let's put a little bit something extra in there since it's just so plain. But I don't know, maybe it's just from listening to that version forever it's all that extra stuff just doesn't fit no that extra stuff just doesn't fit it's just not i don't think it does i wonder no. I wonder who makes that like wonder if the whole band system discusses it or if it's just like i don't know i always wonder about that kind of thing if it's i assume the whole band talks about it and says yeah let's you know let's uh change it up a bit but who knows I think for the for the greatest hits, I mean, that was like the last thing they were releasing on their contract with Sony. So they probably just could have said, it's like, eh, just do whatever. We're, we want to be moving on to our next new thing on our own, figuring it out. Yeah, right. Uh, anyway, let's hear the Redux demo-ish sort of thing. A whole lot slower. This it's this version is amazing. I think I like the singles version best, but just the difference in this version when I first heard it mm-hmm. being my favorite song was just like really. I was just like like it floored me because it's so it's it's so different as far as like how slow it is. It just, it just sounds like they that it's like Pearl Jam in their infancy. They that basement that they did all the rehearsing in before ten, and this it very well might be what it is. It sounds like they just went down there, plugged in, and just crank it to eleven and just let it rip, mm-hmm. which I freaking love. Yeah, there's only I, there's only one guitar on it too, which it's it's got to be just like kind of like a demo, just sort of like getting it right. down. I think that really impacts it too because when it slows down sort of or not like slows down but it sort of like downshifts in the uh verses it you know it's kind of 
you know, it's still the same thing. It's got like the arpeggio and stuff, but then when it goes into the chorus, it doesn't have quite the same punch as both guitars then just coming right. in with the chords and stuff. Yeah. You can... And just sort of I'm like, ah, it just doesn't really get going as far as, you know, how I feel about right. it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I think the singles version is, is the superior version, but just, it's so cool here in such a different, different version of it, which is like, I, like I said before, it's, you know, that the band and that song pretty much in its infancy. So it's, it's just awesome. You know, it's, yeah, you can definitely tell Cruz and drumming versus a brute. Now, now, now I'm tripping up over it. A bruise to see a brute. Dave, say Dave. <laughs> Albuquerque. Dave Albuquerque. There you go. It's like the old old Detroit Tigers pitcher, Al Albuquerque. Oh, I'm not a sports yeah. guy, so I have no idea. I, I, no. Just, I just know Albuquerque from uh, Bugs Bunny cartoons. Gotcha. Well, I was going to say about the uh, the Redux version that I read a quote, which I don't think I've ever, I have ever seen before. I'm sure it's been out there. But Jeff saying how he likes this version way better than the singles version and mm. kind of liking it to uh, a crazy horse feel to it, which I yeah. can totally hear once he says it, but it's kind of interesting to hear that. And he's, he, I think he said, he said something about Cruz and, you know, killing it on the track and stuff, which was interesting to hear. Uh, all that redux bonus stuff that they threw in there. It, it It's while well, you know, it's, it's not necessarily polished, but it's all sort of cool, good stuff that's like, oh, yeah, this is this is the band, you know, young and dirty and hungry and just getting to know each other. And it just all sounds yeah. it's 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 all I don't know. It just re-triggers the 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 Pearl Jam nerd in me when I was a kid and trying to find everything I could. All the imports. Yeah. When you had to go and get get those thirty forty dollar uh bootleg imports yeah i still have all those in a box like 20 feet away from me right now <laughs> hey me too i think i think <laughs> got them a little bit closer i had to take them out of storage for uh for when i was doing this <laughs> it's like oh, i gotta make sure i have them all on my computer so i can obsess over them again doesn't make me feel any younger though oh, that's a, especially getting up in the morning damn it no not at all well, like yesterday, yesterday uh, being the 25th anniversary of Versus being released, I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure how that even happens. Mm-hmm. You know, that made me feel like my favorite band's second album was 25 years old. Like, <laughs> and I was telling my wife, I'm like, next year, my favorite band's third album is going to be 25 years old. Awesome. <laughs> hey, but now you have a whole year to plan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you can make your uh make your cake make your uh make your spin the black circle cake yeah make a record oh, cake yeah well matt thanks for coming on talking about pearl jam geeking out yeah no problem it's fun yeah it's cool it's it's cool to to talk to people they have things in common with yeah for sure as i'm as i'm learning in life for some reason oh wait he knows because i was real shy as a kid oh yeah that's it <laughs> But uh, I, I guess typical typical podcasting. Do you have anything to plug? What dates are coming up? Your Twitter handle? Any of that stuff? Uh, I have nothing to plug at this moment. Oh, okay. No, that's totally fine. Well, then I guess we can just end the show then. Okay, sounds good. 
The Better Band Podcast is produced by ListenUpReno.com and Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from shoutengine.com slash the Better Band Podcast using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ListenUpReno. I am on Twitter at BrandENP. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share, and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Matt. And as always, this is Brandon saying, She's always been the lucky one. Two minutes younger, skin like a China doll, and bosoms till Tuesday. Tuesday.